Welcome to the You Love and You Learn podcast, the place to learn about all things love, relationships, relationship anxiety, and to deconstruct the one-size-fits-all narrative of what it means to be in a happy relationship. I'm your host, Sarah Yudkin, a relationship anxiety coach who's on a mission to discuss the nuances of love and relationships that I wish someone would have shared with me years ago. My goal with each episode is for you to leave with an expanded definition of love and relationships and with practices to carry with you in your life and relationships on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today's episode is going to cover a topic that is highly requested. It's one of the most asked questions I get as a coach, and that is, how do I know if I have relationship anxiety or if we are not compatible? So today's episode will be focusing all around incompatibility, and I invite you to bring curiosity to this episode. I invite you to take a deep breath right now as you're listening because sometimes even the mention of a word like incompatibility can flare up our anxious sensations like a chest tightening or there can be this fear of what am I going to find out if I listen to this episode. So please just I invite you to pause, get grounded and bring a sense of curiosity to this conversation. Now, There's so much to explore on the topic of incompatibility, and I don't claim to have all the right answers about it. I don't think I'll be able to speak to everything about incompatibility in one podcast episode either, but I want to respond to a great request that was submitted by somebody in the You Love and You Learn community. Now, I do have a framework that has helped me and my clients when it comes to incompatibility, and I have learned from many different relationship mentors to get their insights on incompatibility. So this framework and my ideas about incompatibility click with me and they resonate with me. But again, listen to this episode from a place of discernment of do these ideas feel true for me? What parts do I resonate with? What do I still need to learn more about before making a decision here? And knowing that there's no rush. Anxiety wants to tell you that there's an urgency that you need to know now. You need to be sure your relationship is fully compatible right here and right now. Otherwise, you're wasting time. You're wasting your partner's time, all of that. But my belief is that some of these big questions like are we compatible can take some time to sort out and sift through and that's okay. So permission to not rush through these big decisions. Before we get much further, I want to say something super important to keep in mind as you listen to my podcast. I try to give this reminder as best as I can wherever I see it's relevant, but I also know that some of what I share in my own personal experience kind of goes against this reminder, so I think it's worth mentioning as often as possible. Staying in your relationship is not right or wrong. Leaving your relationship is not right or wrong. It's not better or worse to do one or the other. And staying in the relationship doesn't mean you're so much more committed than someone who leaves a relationship. Or leaving a relationship doesn't necessarily mean that you gave up more than someone who stays. We're all simply doing our best. And we're all looking for, I believe, a relationship that brings us common human needs like love, connection, support, all of that. So my goal in this podcast, the reason for the name You Love and You Learn is I want to help you learn about love and to feel more confident in how you move forward for you uniquely. 
in your own journey and your own path. And when it comes to what I just shared, there's two things that are true at the same time. The first is that I'm not necessarily attached to what you do in your relationship or what outcome your relationship has. Yes, I want you to find an outcome that feels right for you, but I don't necessarily have a preference for whether or not your relationship works out because I don't have the same information about your relationship as you do. If I wanted every single person's relationship to work out, that would be missing a lot of context because maybe there are some relationships that do have major clashes in compatibility levels. I'm not saying this again to make you question your relationship, but if I just wanted every single relationship to work, I think we could all acknowledge that maybe that's not the best mindset for me to have as a coach. Now, the opposite's also true. I'm not sitting here analyzing people's relationships thinking, oh, they shouldn't be together. They shouldn't be together. My goal as a coach and as this host of the podcast and when I show up on social media is to always put the onus back on you and give you a sense of confidence in making those decisions. I want to empower you to do what feels best, whatever that may be. And this is also true at the same time. I do have some inherent biases based on what my lived experience has been. So when I'm speaking, a lot of the time I'm talking through my unique lens, which has been navigating relationship anxiety and choosing to stay in my relationship. So as nuanced and as neutral as I try to be, a lot of what I speak to is from the lens of a relationship can work out. And that's just, again, me sharing my experience. Just because I've chosen to stay, however, I think the reminder is still important that I don't have 100% certainty that I'm doing the right thing. I'm confident and that confidence has taken time to build and I'm proud of the confidence that I now have, but I still have my moments of fear or anxiety come up. I still have moments of wishing things were always easy or always perfect and moments of all or nothing thinking where... I'm questioning if things should be exciting all the time, and if they're not exciting all the time, then judging that as bad or wrong. So I'm still human, and I'll be the first to raise my hand and acknowledge that. I've shared some of this already in my Relationship Anxiety Story podcast episode number two. So if you're newer to the podcast or you haven't heard that, I recommend checking that episode out just for some background on me and kind of how I was able to navigate relationship anxiety. However, I wanted to remind some people or share for those who are newer around here of how I have lived my life and what experience I have when it comes to love and relationships that has given me my unique perspective around incompatibility because I'm taking all of what's happened to me in my life and that's the filters I'm using to share this information with you. So throughout high school, I wasn't necessarily someone who had a lot of like serious relationships. I definitely had crushes and like short-term things. I've joked, me and my friends have joked before, like we would have four-day weekend relationships in middle school or high school, like just so like intimidated by being in relationships, but like also having crushes and wanting to. Um, some of my other friends had more serious relationships, but I never necessarily did have a, a very serious relationship in high school. There were maybe like short-term flings or kind of innocent things. Definitely some crushes on people that maybe like weren't actually a nice or like kind person, but feeling like they were cool or exciting or whatever. That was more so like at the end of high school and college. When I got into college, again, some like 
more short-term flings or or hookups that were not really a match. And then I had my first serious two-year relationship, and that was actually senior year of college. And I haven't really shared this publicly. I don't really think it's, I don't know, it's part of me is like, oh, this is like not something I share, but part of me just doesn't care. My two-year serious relationship at the end of college and for one year out of college, that was actually the first time that I was physically intimate with somebody. I had done other things, but the act of having sex was just with this person. And I feel like that's an interesting thing about me is like, I kind of romanticized the notion of having sex for the first time a lot and really wanted to wait until it was someone that I trusted and who we were more serious. Um, So I kind of put that off a lot with people who I felt like was more casual. Um, And that doesn't make me good or bad or right or wrong. It was just like an interesting part of how I grew up and thought about relationships. After this relationship ended, that was more serious, which was when I was around age 22 or maybe 23, a year and a half later, after focusing on myself, my own personal development, and kind of doing my own thing, I met Nate. So in between that, in between my relationships in that one and a half years, I had some not so great dates or maybe like a couple of examples of trying to get with a guy who was not really interested in anything more serious, Um, nothing too major to report in between that one and a half years because I was really focused on myself. And when I met Nate, I was definitely open to dating and meeting someone, but that night it was a surprise to meet him. So I wasn't like looking him up before the party. I didn't know he was going to be there. Um, My expectations that night were not, I'm going to go meet somebody. And so that felt really nice. There, again, is no right or wrong way to meet someone, but it felt really nice for me that it was kind of a surprise and I was just being myself and we met through those circumstances. Over the initial months and years of getting to know each other, we realized that we had a lot in common and we were very similar in many ways. Uh, which led me to want to be more serious and be with Nate. But I think many people realize that there are things that initially draw us into somebody. For example, like Nate is really confident and really secure. No idea what that's like. Um, I've built a lot of confidence up, but um, he's naturally like very confident, very secure. That's his instincts most of the time. Um, And that really drew me in. And I was like, wow, he's so confident. He's so great. And then there's times later in my relationship where I've compared myself to him or It's made me feel insecure or like I'm not a good enough partner because I don't have enough confidence. So sometimes the things that we really admire about someone, we can later discover are triggers in some way. So over the time that we've been dating and now engaged over a little under seven years, we have noticed some differences in our personalities and how we operate. And that's okay too. So That is what I'm working off of from my own experiences of choosing to stay. Uh, You don't need to have other relationship experiences to have the same insights that I did. Some people will say date around so that you can have something to compare it to. There's always different experiences of how people choose to settle down or be with somebody because there are high school sweethearts who are happily married and then there are people who have dated around for ages and they're still dating around and they don't feel like they can quite settle down because they're still trying to find the right person. So there's every type of story, a reminder that yours does not have to match what someone else's says or how it looks. 
And it's pretty easy to kind of look back in hindsight and see the aha moments and say, oh yeah, like this thing has definitely been what's helped me in my relationship. Or this thing has definitely been the reason why I found this person. Like it's easy to kind of see all those things in hindsight, but that will be someone sharing what has worked or didn't work because they've gone through it already. It doesn't mean that their way is the only way. And part of the beauty of being human is that we all have different beliefs. So what's worked for one person may not work for you and vice versa. So that is all kind of to tee off this conversation about incompatibility. And as you listen, see what parts of my message today seem to click with you from a genuine place, not because you think that I have all the right answers, but just listening to what feels interesting to you and staying curious. So as I alluded to, the reason that I decided to talk about this was one, because recently I asked my Instagram community what topics they'd like to hear more about, and there were a few people that said incompatibility. But also, there was a long-term You Love and You Learn community member who reached out to me and shared a couple of clips from interviews with somebody. And one of the clips spiked this person's relationship anxiety or they just had some questions about it. And so I thought it was a good time to kind of talk about the concepts in these clips, break it down, and use this as a jumping off place for the podcast episode. Now, here were the gist of the two clips that were shared with me. There was two separate ones. They're both talking about incompatibility, but I'm just going to give kind of like the high level overview of the clips and share what I took away from them. And then later, I'm going to go in and respond to the messages in these clips, as well as sharing my own incompatibility framework, and give you some ideas to just think about with incompatibility that are hopefully helpful for you. The first clip, they're both from the same woman, Dr. Spirit, who is a mental health expert and licensed therapist. The first clip, which was shared with me from the You Love and You Learn community member, was mentioning the quote, quote, almost compatible relationship being worse than a clearly incompatible relationship. So the message in her video was like, when you're clearly incompatible with somebody, you know it. Like, you know, it's not a fit. Like, oh, I don't mesh with this person. I don't resonate with them. Like, I don't, there's no interest here. Whereas what she was saying with an almost compatible relationship is you feel like there are some things that work and some things that don't. Now, Again, pause, take a deep breath, just listen to what I'm going to share here between these clips and my own take before jumping to conclusions about what this means for your relationship. Some examples of the side effects of an almost compatible relationship that Dr. Spirit gave were falling into similar cycles or patterns Um, getting into arguments, feeling like if my partner would just do this more, then they would be great. But I love these things about them, kind of feeling like flip floppy, which again is a part of relationship anxiety. So that doesn't necessarily mean you're in an almost incompatible relationship. Feeling happy when this person meets your needs, but then having moments when it feels like they're unable to meet your needs, which I'll talk more about later. And Then making decisions based about somebody's potential. So like if you're in an almost compatible relationship, you might be making these decisions based on like, well, I feel like there's so much potential here. And I'm going to talk about more about potential later as well. So this is the first clip that I'm going to address. And I can see why this would be triggering for someone with relationship anxiety to hear. 
And I myself have been triggered by these sentiments many times. And I think what's triggering about it is it doesn't feel very clear. Like there's not like a way to fully measure that, which can be very confusing. Um, We want certainty. We want this definite yes or no, like a checklist. And the doubts of what is compatible versus incompatible may be really hard to discern between. So this is the first clip that I'm going to address. And the person who sent this to me, some of her questions around this were like, does this mean that if someone does not meet every single one of the compatibilities that you have, that they're not the right person for you? And am I being a perfectionist by wanting my partner to perfectly be compatible? And if we need to work on our relationship, either via therapy or in other ways, does that mean we're not compatible? So this was the first clip of almost compatibility. The second clip was from an interview with Dr. Spirit talking on the Mel Robbins show. And this was Dr. Spirit sharing her framework for what makes a compatible relationship. And again, listen with curiosity, see what lands with you. She shared that having a relationship that is compatible is a relationship that rises. So rises is an acronym for recreational, intellectual, spiritual, emotional, and sexual intimacy. Her interpretations of these categories are like recreational, having time that you can spend together and enjoy, sharing some of the same activities that you enjoy. Intellectual would be being able to have conversations with your partner that are stimulating, even if it's not all the time, um, but having shared interests. Spiritual is not necessarily the same religion or same exact beliefs, but just sharing some beliefs about how the world operates and like how to interact with the world, universal energy, things like that. Emotional is, I feel like that one's pretty self-explanatory. Like, do you feel like emotionally you and your partner can support one another? And then sexual intimacy, physical connection, things like that. This was her compatibility framework. She did share in the video, not all five of these have to be met, but having the qualities that are most important to you among these being met and making sure that you and your partner are kind of like in alignment about that is important. Um, Again, this is her framework. So just listen and see what resonates. For example, she said like, not everybody has sexual intimacy as a top priority in their life, but if both partners are kind of on similar pages with that, then that may be different than if there's people who are on different pages. Now, that doesn't mean you can't still find ways to navigate some of these challenges, but I just am sharing what she said in this video. She also mentioned that some of these needs can be met outside of a relationship as well. So for example, intellectual intimacy, maybe sometimes that happens at a book club with friends or at work um, with colleagues, whatever it is. So these five acronyms in RISES are not necessarily only from your partner all the time. So that's kind of the summary of the second clip. And I understand where this type of message could also be confusing because if you feel like your relationship is lacking in any of these categories, it may feel not good enough. So that was Dr. Spirit and her compatibility framework. I'm going to link the uh, Mel Robbins video because I think that one had a much more nuance and explanation in it. So I'll link that in the show notes in case you want to check it out. Before I get into my take and my responses on these clips, I did want to share my framework for incompatibility. 
And I'm going to share it at a high level just because when I took the time to fully explain it in my incompatibility webinar, um, that's a 90 minute webinar recording. So I'm going to keep it high level here. But if you do want to get expanded information on this topic, and if you also want to hear, I believe there's like a 40 to 45 minute Q&A. That was my first webinar that I did. So I stayed on extra long to answer a lot of questions, um, which I love hearing from the webinar guests about. So if you would like more information about this topic or you would want to hear my framework more in detail, I will link in the show notes my Is It Anxiety or Incompatibility webinar. And I think as of now, there's like a thousand people that have watched that webinar, which is mind boggling to me and people from 35 countries or more. So this is definitely just to reiterate, like one of my top questions that I get asked and you're not alone if you're having questions about this. So in my framework, I talk about three potential categories where things could be an incompatibility if you can't accept or respect the differences. And I'll explain more what I mean by that. So the three categories are your values, what's really meaningful to you in life, your life vision, like how you envision your life going or like, you know, the lifestyle that you want to have, and then your boundaries, like what are your hardcore deal breakers or things that you are setting as boundaries to protect your energy in a relationship or in your life. So these are the three things that you can reflect on. And if you notice that there are differences between you and your partner's values, lifestyle and life vision and boundaries, then it's worth reflecting on, can I accept or respect these differences? Because, for example, religious or political beliefs are not necessarily an automatic incompatibility. But if you can't accept or respect your partner for having these beliefs or practices, then that may inevitably affect your relationship. So that's just one example of what I mean by accepting or respecting differences. The second category here in my framework is things that are often thought of to be incompatibilities but are not necessarily unless they clash against your values, your vision, and your boundaries, or your lifestyle slash vision and your boundaries. So these three things are personality differences, irritations, and flaws. So personality differences, pretty self-explanatory, things that irritate us about our partner, or flaws, or things that are just like not what we expected. So I personally believe that it's pretty normal to have differences, irritations, and flaws in most relationships. And can we accept this person and can this person accept us for the ways that we have differences or irritations or flaws? Now, this is the part where I think it's adding a lot of nuance here is that there's not necessarily a relationship where I believe that we never have moments of incompatibility. So this was something that Natalie of Anxious Love Coach and I talked about in episode 12 of the podcast a little bit. Um, That was a great episode, by the way, if you haven't heard that one. But she brought up the point of sometimes there's going to be moments of incompatibility. Like, let's say your partner is not feeling great and you really would like to spend time with them and get their attention, but they really need their alone time in that moment. 
So there are going to be inevitable moments where maybe your partner's personality difference is that when they don't feel good, they actually really want to pull away and get their own time. Whereas when you're not feeling good or in general, you're the type of person that really wants to connect and have more quality time. And I think that this is going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, can I accept or respect these differences when they show up situationally as well? Because I don't think that life is so black and white where everything always has to be this extreme yes or no. Like this is either a huge incompatibility or it's not. And yes, I know that the clip earlier with Dr. Spirit, she kind of mentioned this almost wiggle room. But what I'm going to explore here next is some considerations to keep in mind when you're thinking about incompatibility that have some nuance to it. And nuance doesn't always make things easier to decide. It's not like a strict yes or no, black or white. But I think bringing nuance into these big important topics is really important because so often we'll hear this advice like if it's not an F yes, it's a no, or like if it's not a heck yes, it's a no. And for many people, that's not how they make decisions. And so if you are not that type of person that is living in this like easy yes or easy no place when you're making decisions, then the rest of this episode, I think, will be really helpful for you. So now for my take on all of this. Um, I'll start with the first clip that I referenced, the almost compatible relationship. In the video, one thing she did mention, which was kind of like the side effects that come with an almost compatible relationship, which is resentment or arguing or cycles. She even used the word toxic in the video for some of the effects of an almost compatible relationship. And to me, I think when you think of like resentment or arguing or cycles of up and down, you know, that to me is not a relationship that feels helpful for me. Like if there was arguing or cycles of ups and downs, that would be an interesting cue for me to be like, oh, okay, hmm, I noticed that there are things that keep coming up here. Can we address these things or not? And I think where the nuance comes in in this video that maybe she didn't fully address is like, if you are working to address certain things in your relationship and you're seeing the benefits, then that's awesome. That's great. Whereas like if you feel like there are consistent cycles of ups and downs and challenges and arguing and things like that, and there's you're making progress or you're like trying to work on it and both people are invested in the relationship and making that growth and change and you're not seeing any changes, then that's when my question of the incompatibility framework comes back, which is like, can I accept or respect the differences between me and my partner right now? Knowing that they might not actually change in the future, there's a possibility they can, but they might not change in the future and I might not fully change. So like, could I accept how things are right now? Now, here's where the hard part comes in, is that change is inevitable in many ways. So assuming that there's not a possibility to change is actually not always helpful either, but there's kind of like a balance that comes in. A really interesting post came up from my friend Natalie of Anxious Love Coach. I just referenced her in our episode we did together, but recently she posted about this and I thought it was so interesting and it kind of sparked an idea to bring it into the podcast where she talks about this balancing act of growing together as a couple and how relationships inevitably will evolve and change over time versus expecting our partner to be the one to change or grow or expecting them to change in order to be happy. So this whole notion of don't date someone for their potential 
is pretty common as relationship advice. Like don't date the potential of who someone could be. And there's also pretty common relationship advice she shares in this post of choose someone you can grow with. So how do we know (laughs) what to do? And like, it kind of brings up the question, can I accept this person for who they are if they didn't change? And so this post of Natalie's addresses this. She shares that growing essentially means that you have an unrealized vision. And so if you are growing, then everyone in some sense is choosing potential. Because if we never visualize the potential, it would mean that we don't have any expectations for moving forward. The phrase don't settle for potential was a phrase that was helping people be mindful of not choosing someone who was maybe giving mixed messages, they weren't committed to the relationship, and who couldn't meet someone's basic needs. But in today's culture, sometimes we take that message of don't settle for potential to an extreme, and we want someone to have all their ducks in a row. So Natalie, in this post, she shares that she believes that the advice don't settle for potential can also be a way that we offset the giant vulnerable risk of love because basically it's risky to love someone and not know exactly how they might grow or change in the future also knowing that we will grow and change as well however this is where the nuance comes in she goes on to share that two things get to be true when someone shows you who they are believe them And don't only want to be with someone with the condition that they have to fix or change something because we can't guarantee it. And what's also true is that one can be a work in progress and still be a potential great mate. So in fulfilling relationships, the individuals will be motivated by their shared potential for life together and partnership together. And that means that they can absolutely be works in progress as they work towards these shared goals, whether like shared relationship goals or shared life goals. So this is where I think it's, there's just like no one right answer here because both things are true. We don't necessarily only want to rely on somebody's potential to change and we're all constantly changing and someone can be a work in progress and absolutely grow and evolve and be a great partner. And so you kind of have to sit with that and decide for yourself, like what category do you think you and your partner are in? And not just like, is your partner able to change or grow, but like, are there things that you're also working on that you would like them to accept you for as well? I really think that's an important nuance to bring into this conversation because If we are looking at our partner and looking at potential incompatibilities and thinking, I don't know if I can accept this thing about them, it's really helpful to acknowledge that. And it's also helpful to check in of like, is this person the type of person that is putting in energy to grow and evolve? Or is this person kind of like, yep, this is me, take it or leave it. And they have no desire to want to grow as a couple together. I think that there is this middle ground that is really hard with the almost compatible relationship because there's on one hand this goal of being perfectly compatible which can be kind of like perfectionism driving us like I need to check all the compatibility boxes off and then this other end of the spectrum which is like I'm in a relationship where I have to sacrifice and make big sacrifices to who I am to be in this relationship. And I think most relationships do fall somewhere in the middle of that spectrum, which to 
the point of Dr. Spirit could be in this like almost compatible category. And we have to be the ones that reflect and decide like what is good enough without needing it to be perfect. And what is good enough where like I feel fulfilled. I feel like my needs are met most of the time in this relationship. And I have a partner who's willing to continue working to meet my needs and open to communicating about it, etc. Now, let me share my take on the RISES framework. I think that what I really want to reiterate here is that in this video, there was the notion that all five categories do not necessarily need to be perfectly met. And I think that's important to remember because, for example, like when you look at the the five categories here, I'm just scrolling back to have the, the words in front of me. Like if I look at these, what jumps out at me first is sexual intimacy. That's something that Nate and I, I feel like are going to be works in progress on who knows for how long like it's something that we both know could grow and it's not something that is non-existent in our relationship by any means and we both put energy and effort in but I think that it's something that we could absolutely grow in together but both of us are on similar pages that maybe it's not where we want it to be and that we could work on it together as a team so I think that's worth mentioning like even if not all five categories are being met that's okay but are you and your partner kind of on similar wavelengths about them or does one person really 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 value something the other person couldn't care less and you feel like it's going to be something that is an ongoing discussion now here's where an even extra nuance comes into play john gottman and julie gottman's research of thousands of couples talks about how 69% of relational problems are perpetual, which means that they are recurring problems due to personality differences. And so I don't think that we should be trying to seek a relationship where there's no personality differences that we're never going to have to live with for the rest of our life. But we have to decide within the personality difference that are there, can we accept or respect them? That's the important piece here. And if the answer is, I don't know, that's okay. And maybe that means having a conversation with your partner and getting more clarity to understand their position a little bit better and getting to share your position a little bit better. So that is kind of my responses to the two videos that I wanted to share. What I think is really hard about any sort of framework, whether it's the RISES framework for compatibility from Dr. Spirit or my own incompatibility framework with the values, lifestyle and vision and boundaries, and then the personality differences, irritations and flaws, is that none of these frameworks or none of these perspectives take into account your unique relationship goals, your unique relationship beliefs, your unique relationship experiences, and your unique relationships perspectives. So what needs to happen is as you listen to these frameworks, you get to use your own goals, beliefs, experiences, and perspectives and kind of fill in the blanks, fill in the gaps, and see what works for you. There's a great quote from George Pransky who wrote the Relationship Handbook that shares The only difference between complementary and incompatibility is perception. Complementary and incompatible are two conclusions about the same situation, two sides of the same coin. So that's a perfect example about how your belief about a situation can affect how you perceive it. What you might think is complementary, I might think is incompatible and vice versa. What I might think is complementary, you might think is incompatible. And so as you listen to these frameworks, that's where you have to lean on yourself and lean on your own 
beliefs and views of the world to kind of, again, fill in those gaps. I've said this a few times now, but I just think it's such an important message to reiterate. There's one more idea or concept that I want to bring into this topic of incompatibility before I close out the episode with a couple summaries of maybe key takeaways to consider. Now, in last week's episode, episode 31, I talked about the parallels between relationship anxiety and life. And one of those parallels is that both relationships and life come with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of trial and experimentation to see what works and kind of trying to create our own path through learning as we go. And the exciting part about that, but also the sometimes nerve-wracking part about that is that we don't necessarily know what the outcome will be many times until we make decisions and learn from them. So that is unfortunately, even for many anxious people, I can already hear you being like, ah, like I don't want to make these decisions because what if something happens? But that's the truth of the matter is sometimes we just don't know until we know. And even then, sometimes that knowing is just a guess, a best guess to see what happens. There are many potential outcomes to a relationship. And I might do like a deeper dive on this topic another time because I think it's really interesting. But when you are deciding whether to kind of stay or go in a relationship and take some deep breaths here, this doesn't mean you have to make a decision. Just take page from this book and see what resonates with you first before trying to make any decisions. But there are what I deem as four, at least, potential outcomes. And I believe that we will be okay no matter which outcome we find ourselves in. And I speak generally here like we because I still am in the exact same shoes as anyone else here with many different outcomes that can happen in my relationship. So here are some of the outcomes that I have either had community members share with me or I've seen happen and there isn't a right or a wrong outcome here. There might seem like there is, but I trust that all outcomes kind of lead us to a place of moving forward and being okay. So the first outcome is you stay in a relationship and you grow together and you have a fulfilling relationship. Even if maybe that takes some work and some effort, you stay and you end up feeling like the relationship was fulfilling and rewarding. Now, there's always the choice to still stay in a relationship and then over time you put in energy you're trying to grow together but eventually there's just some conclusion where after really trying and giving it the best effort it feels like maybe there are incompatibilities that you couldn't have predicted or maybe even though both people have really tried giving this relationship their best you don't mesh and then there's a decision to leave the relationship at some future point in time. Or you stay and one person ends up putting in a lot more effort in the relationship and then you come to realize it's not being reciprocated. This is no longer working for me. So that's kind of like the outcome potentials of staying. There's other ones, but this is just like food for thought here. Now, on the other end of things, there can be the decision to leave a relationship and coming to question that decision, maybe feeling like you let a good thing go or you have regrets. This is something that I've had quite a few people message me about. And the thing that I don't know about these people is how long they are messaging me after a relationship ends. I mean, there have been some people where it's been years and they feel like they're regretting something, but there's been some people where it's really fresh and it feels like maybe they have regrets and 
in that place, you know, you don't necessarily fully know what would happen given a little bit more time. But there is that, you know, the option that I think many people with relationship anxiety fear, which is I leave and then I come to regret this choice. Now, there's also an outcome we've probably heard about before of leaving and then feeling like it actually is the right choice for you at this time. And even though there might be some feelings of sadness, you end up finding in the future a new relationship that makes you feel like it worked out. So these outcomes can feel tough to swallow. They can bring up questions. How do I know which is my path? Which one's right for me? How do I know what's going to happen? And again, I know, I know, and I'm even taking a deep breath with you because this question of uncertainty and and wanting the answer and living in that space of maybe and what's going to happen, it can be a lot. But I really, really, really believe that we can each trust in the timing of our life and that life is going to present us with many ups and downs, I know for me, I probably haven't experienced even half or more of the challenging things that are going to come in my life, probably way more than that. I don't know, and that's okay. And there's also going to be so many beautiful things ahead of me, so many. And I just have to trust that I'm capable of handling both the joyful moments and actually letting those joyful moments in and the devastating moments, the sad moments. And I think that many times we resist that and we resist like, will I be okay no matter what? And I think that the answer is yes. So please just trust that even if you don't have that clarity right now about which direction your relationship will go in, that's okay. I, yes, in the short term, have chosen to stay in my relationship. Yes, in the long term, I'm going to keep choosing that. But the future is out of my hands. I can't fully control what's going to happen. And my commitment to myself and to Nate is to keep showing up, keep choosing him, keep loving him, keep loving myself so that our relationship grows over time. So I hope in the outcome that I would, yeah, ideally like that our relationship does grow and we stay together, but I don't have that guarantee and neither does anybody. And a couple, you know, last things here before I wrap up is I believe that any relationship does have that potential to grow and work, even if you might be struggling with some potential incompatibilities. I believe that there can absolutely be two people who are really committed to growing and learning together and showing up and navigating life, and they can absolutely thrive in a relationship. I also believe that as sad as a breakup would be for anyone, whether you've already experienced one, Um, whether there is a potential breakup at any point in your life, whether there would be one in my life, which again, I really hope there isn't, that we would all eventually be able to get to a place with acceptance. And I don't say any of this to trigger you, even though I know that this topic can be really sensitive. I'm saying this because sometimes I think we need to hear that. I think we need that reminder that it doesn't mean that just because you would be okay that you should go break up with somebody. That's not what I'm saying. It's always your choice, of course. But so often we live in this deep fear of a relationship ending and we're so afraid of the potential ending that we're not necessarily taking the energy that we could be investing into the relationship growing. We're actually just so afraid of what if it ends that maybe we're not giving it its best shot to grow because we're so busy in fear instead of trying to shift some of that fear into love and openness and a willingness to give it our best shot. So to wrap up here, please just remember that it's okay not to have full clarity and to trust that things will unfold and become more clear over time. It took me years to feel more clear 
being able to move forward, Nate. And some people might hear like, oh my gosh, you just got engaged after being almost seven years together. For me, that felt really right. And just giving yourself permission to trust the timing of your life. Another reminder to take with you, when we look at frameworks or lists or advice, it can be very helpful for some people and it can be a great opportunity to learn. But sometimes the reason that we look at these frameworks or lists or advice is because we're having this desire to get it right, make sure we're not wrong, do the right thing, be perfect, all of that. And if you find yourself in that place and you're looking at a framework from a place of like, ooh, I really hope this framework tells me that my relationship is good enough. I encourage you to practice giving yourself that permission that you're looking for for someone else. Or on the flip side, if you're looking at a framework and you're like, yeah, things really don't feel compatible and I'm hoping that someone can validate that feeling within me so that I can give myself the permission to let go, then also validate that as well. Now, when you're in a really anxious place, it may be hard to discern between those two. And so that's why I encourage you to slow down, get grounded, and not feel like you're looking at all these things from an urgent place of needing to make decisions right now. It shouldn't feel super, super urgent when you're looking at all these lists or framework. This should be from a place of a little bit more clarity, a slow and steady pace that you trust that you can take at any time. And last, just a reminder that I try to give often, which is when you're asking questions like this or when this topic comes up, just try to practice bringing yourself back into present moment safety as best as you can. Try bringing yourself back into what is happening right now and can I find some regulation of my emotions? Can I find some safety in what is versus what if? Because so often the questions of incompatibility lead us to spirals like, well, what if I'm missing an incompatibility and in the future I could have gotten it? Or what if this thing that bothers me now becomes even worse? And what if this and that? And as best as possible, trying to make decisions based on what you know in the moment. So making decisions of can I accept or respect this thing now, not could I accept or respect this thing if it got worse or better. Trying to make decisions in the present as best as possible. Make decisions based off today. Make decisions based off your partner's willingness or ability to meet your needs and desires today, not in the future. Also, making decisions about how you can show up for yourself today, not what could happen in the future. And yes, that doesn't necessarily mean that we ignore our goals or thinking about the future, but controlling what's in our control, controlling our actions, controlling our beliefs, and not trying to control an outcome in the future. All right. If you made it to the end of this podcast, give yourself a little pat on the back and thank yourself for sitting through what might have been an uncomfortable topic for you. It's really important that we expose ourselves to some of these things instead of constantly living in fear and that we can practice leaning into these uncomfortable topics and knowing that we have the power to move through moments of discomfort even without certainty and guarantees. And a quick reminder that if you'd like to explore this topic more, then I will link in the show notes the incompatibility webinar. And if you would like some guidance and support sifting through this topic of incompatibility and learning to trust yourself and learning to kind of talk through some of these nuances that were brought up in this podcast, then that would also be something that can be explored in private coaching. So I will put the 
application and more information about private coaching as well in the show notes. And that would be something I would love to support you with. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will see you in the next episode and take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Love and You Learn podcast. If you've been enjoying the podcast, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could rate and review the podcast because the more ratings and reviews there are, the more people that can hear this message. And it's really important to me to get this message out to the world and to create a space where people can learn about love and relationships in a way that is not judgmental, in a way that helps them expand their perspective from the cultural narratives that we've heard and seen in the movies and in Hollywood and the media. And the more ratings and reviews that are there, the more people that can hear this message. So thank you again so much. It really means the world to me that you are listening and see you in the next episode.